Hey, welcome to Calvary Church Online, week number two. We are so glad that you've jumped in and joined with us, and we are hoping that for the next few minutes as we dig in a little bit to God's Word, we can encourage your heart through what we know are some really difficult, changing, and strange times. We've never been through anything like this, and so hopefully what you've heard through the praise team and the band and what we share with you today will make a difference. We, we talked last week about what we, what we look for in seasons like this, in seasons of change, in seasons of difficulty. We look for control. We look for control. We look for comfort. And we look for what's coming. We want to see what's ahead. But here is what we learn in these seasons, that God is the one who is ultimately in control. That God is the God of all comfort. He's the source of all the comfort that we so many times need in a situation like this. And God is the only one who knows what's coming. He's the only one who sees what's coming. So last week we, we took a different turn on this and we talked about the favor of God. Psalm verse 90, verse 17 says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. We found out that the favor of God is found in the peace of God, the presence of God, and the passion of God. And here's the good news. Even in the midst of change, even in the midst of strange, you are still God's passion. You are the love of his life. He loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love. And he has a plan for us. And we are trying to find that plan even in the midst of this season that all of us are going through. Not just in this country, but actually around the world. So today, I want to I continue talking about the favor of God. But here's something you need to know. Abel found the favor of God, but he was killed, yet he became heaven's first citizen. Noah found the favor of God, but he was with his family. Talk about sheltering in place. They were on a ship boat for months, months at a time, no one else, but yet he was spared. He found the favor of God. Abraham. Abraham was homeless. <laughs> God said, I want you to pack up all your stuff and all your people and leave. Where are we going? Don't worry about that. I'll tell you when we get there. He didn't have a home, but he was in the favor of God. And it was he that God would use to begin a nation of his people. Jacob. The favor of God for him was actually wrestling God for a blessing. And only after wrestling, can you imagine? That'd be a sermon in and of itself. But after wrestling with God for a blessing that he would not let go of until God granted him, God changed his name to Israel. <laughs> that name's still used a lot today, isn't it? The favor of God. Joseph. 
He found the favor of God. But the favor of God would actually put him into slavery until God was ready to exalt him to number two in the most powerful nation in the world at that time. Moses, he found the favor of God, but only after he was in the desert for 40 years. Kind of a nomad. But then God spoke to him and allowed him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. David, he found the favor of God, but yet he was running from the king for the king of kings to become the king. <laughs> it's quite a story. David found favor, but he was on the run. Daniel, he found the favor of God, but it put him into the lion's den. And God spared his life and caused him to rise in power again. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three guys lived for God and found their lives in the favor of God, but found his favor actually as another person that was with them when Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fiery furnace to burn for their testimony for God. Yet it looked when they came out as if not a hair on their head had been singed. They found his favor. Job, <laughs> he lost everything. But in the favor of God, he got it all back. In fact, twice as much. So you may be going through this difficult time right now, as we all are experiencing, and wonder, how can we talk about the favor of God? Because these, these men and women, you can read about them actually in Hebrews chapter 11. They found the favor of God, but they, they found it sometimes amidst the difficulties that life brought their direction. How can we... How can we use this time effectively? How can we make the most of what we are being, to a certain degree, forced into? I'm pretty sure that a month ago, you weren't planning in this direction. You weren't planning on this much time at home. You weren't planning maybe on this many meals together. How can we use this time effectively to make sure that we are positioning ourselves for the favor of God. Let me share with you a verse. It actually is a verse that describes Jesus' life for quite a span of his life. We get a pretty good detailed account of Christmas, and then there's quite a span of years where we don't get a whole lot until Jesus is ready to begin his earthly ministry. Luke, however, sums up Jesus' life with this verse, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all the people. You know how Jesus grew? He grew, first of all, mentally. He grew physically. He grew spiritually, and he grew relationally. What if we were to take those four categories and make them for the next few days, however long this lasts, let's set ourselves 
some goals. Let's not waste this time that God is giving to us, that we have been put in, placed in. Let's use it for his honor and glory. How can we make the best use of that time? How can we set some goals to be the best? You might want to write this down. I'm sorry that I don't have a note page like we usually do here at Calvary, but if you got a piece of paper and a pen, maybe write this down. Just write down best, B-E-S-T. Here are some goals that you can set. Believable. Set some believable goals. Stretch yourself, but don't break. Energizing. What if you were to take these next few days and set some goals that would energize you? Don't moan and groan about where we're at or what we have to go through. It's difficult all over. But what if we were to take this time and use it? And what is it that energizes you? What excites you might be totally different than what excites somebody else. But you need to think of something that will energize you that you can determine, I'm going to make the best of this situation. How about being specific? Be specific. Don't set a general goal. Set yourself a specific goal. While I'm here for these next days, these next couple of weeks, however long it goes, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to do. And then give yourself a time. Well, we've kind of given that time structure, haven't we? We've been told this is how it's going to be at least until this certain day in April. So why don't you make that your first deadline? Give yourself a time and set some goals to grow Mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally. Let's use this time to grow the way God wants us to. How do we do that? First of all, mentally. How do I increase my wisdom? Here's thought number one. Ask for it. Ask for it. You know, when Solomon was given a chance by God, he was given the chance to be blessed beyond anyone else in whatever measure he asked for. God said, I'm going to grant you one prayer request. What do you want it to be? And Solomon asked for wisdom. And the Bible says God granted him that request. Well, James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, don't forget that, he lived with Jesus, the older brother being the Messiah, and not really wanting to go there. He didn't want to believe it. Couldn't be. But after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to him, and James became a believer. And James writes in his book, if you need wisdom, ask God for it. James chapter 1, verse 5, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Listen to what Proverbs says in chapter 8, verse 32, and you want to know who wrote it? A guy by the name of Solomon. So my children, listen to me. For all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me. Watching for me daily at the gates. Watching for me outside my home. Whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Do you know what he was talking about? Wisdom. Wisdom. Hosea, the prophet, said that people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We're so busy. 
so busy. But yet maybe this time period has forced us not to be quite so busy. So what if you determined I am going to grow in this area of my life? Proverbs 19.8 says to acquire wisdom is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. When you have wisdom, you love yourself. When you try to understand, you love others. And what did Jesus say? You got to love other people the way you love yourself. This is so crucial. Maybe that's why Luke mentioned it first when it came to how Jesus would actually grow in his life. Wisdom is not based on your IQ. Don't worry about what your grades were. Don't worry about where you finished in high school or your GPA. Don't worry about the fact that you didn't go to college. That's not wisdom. The Bible says ask for wisdom and wisdom will be given to you. We can all continue learning no matter where we left off in our education. In fact, someone once said that five years from now, you will be the same person you are or you'll be a different person than you are. The key will be the people that you hang around and the books that you read. So hey, what if you just determine for the next little while, while I've got this opportunity, I'm gonna do a little bit more reading. I'm gonna gain some knowledge. I'm gonna learn some stuff that maybe I didn't know before. And I'm gonna ask God for wisdom in how to navigate my life and the life of my family through these days. Number two, he grew physically. He grew physically. So what will you do in the next few days to take care of yourself physically? I gotta be honest. When something like this happens, and my wife will tell you this, I usually wanna just eat whatever's in sight. I gotta be careful. I gotta have something that's out in front of me that I am shooting for, that I am reaching for. President, the governor, They've all said that physical exercise is important, important enough that you can get out and still do it. Still get outside, still take a walk, still go for a run, still take care of yourself. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy as he's writing to his spiritual protege. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Sometimes you'll hear a message where they're expounding on the fact that Physical exercise is good, but spiritual exercise is so much important, so much more important. So leave out the physical exercise. Don't worry about it. That's not what Paul is saying. 
Paul is saying taking care of yourself is important. Taking care of yourself physically is important. It's kind of right next to godliness. Godliness is greater, but taking care of yourself physically is a good thing. And he was imploring Timothy, and in so doing, us to do the same. Physical objectives are hard work, and physical objectives sometimes are heart work. Hard work and heart work. Paul says, that's why we struggle. That's why we work hard. We work hard for all of these things. Paul, a lot of times, would use athletics in his analogy, in his examples, in his illustrations. He must have loved them. He must have loved the Olympics to see people run. And maybe he understood how important that was even in his own life. And he tells Timothy, you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Physical exercise takes hard work. And sometimes when you get to situations like this, it's hard, maybe even harder, to motivate yourself to do it. But we've got the opportunity, we've got the time, and maybe we need to take advantage of that so that we can take care of ourselves. Sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes it's heart work. Taking care of yourself physically sometimes is what happens on the inside. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. <laughs> Not easy to be cheerful through all of this, but you need to try. You need to endeavor to gather as a family, as a couple. You need to endeavor to make your heart cheerful. You need to watch a couple of funny movies. You need to make sure that you are doing things that lighten the load because a cheerful heart is good medicine. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Don't allow this time period to be where one, where you are envious, where you are bitter, where you are becoming bitter. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take over, not just in a mental state, it takes over physically. It hurts us emotionally. We've got to make sure that we're using this time as much as is possible to get better and not bitter. God will see us through this. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. This is not the only place where Paul says this. But he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you know when the temple was built in the Old Testament. God had specific instructions. And man, they had to take care of it. They had to take care of detail. And now, because of Jesus, Paul's able to tell us, your heart, your soul, your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, he lives in you. So take care of it. Oh, and I know, I know, I know. Trust me. I'm preaching as much to myself as I am to you. Got to take care of the body. 
It's how Jesus grew. In wisdom, in stature, mentally, physically. But then he also grew in favor with God and man. He grew spiritually. He grew spiritually. He grew in his understanding, his relationship with God. By the time he's 12, there is that one little glimpse we have of Jesus who's in the temple and he's asking questions and he's sharing answers with people and they're blown away by him because of a unique relationship that he had with the Father. We need to use this time to grow spiritually. Praying for favor, praising for favor, giving praise and thanks to God in advance for the favor he's going to give, and also positioning ourselves for favor. Praying, reading, meditating on God and his word, we now have the chance, the opportunity to do that. So why would we use this opportunity to make sure that we binge watch all the series that we love on Netflix? Nothing wrong with that. But when we get done with the end of this time and life gets back to normal as it will, we look back and realize we have done nothing to enhance our relationship with God. And is it possible that he wanted to use this as an opportunity for you to get closer to him? For you to find out more about him. For you to learn about him. Maybe for some of you to establish a relationship with him for the first time through his son Jesus. He loves you, even in the difficulties. And he wants you to know that love. Jesus put an emphasis on prayer. He taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But he also put an emphasis on the word of God. And the way that we can know the will of God is by making sure that we are in the Word of God. You'll be in the will of God once you understand the Word of God. And we need to be in it. This gives us the chance to do that. Psalm 1, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2 says, His, a man or a woman's, delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law, on His Word, He meditates day and night. Now, when you think of meditation, you may think of something totally different than what is intended in this verse. You may just think of sitting in silence with your legs crossed or you've got a wrong view of meditation. Meditation is when we set aside all of the things that create noise around us and just kind of zero in on what God has to share with us. He will speak to us if we will listen. And he will speak to us through his word. Some of you might say, you know, truthfully, I'm probably five years behind on my one-year Bible reading. This is a great opportunity for you to catch up on that. This is a great opportunity for you to set aside a plan, a program. Let me give you something practical. Maybe you've never done that before. You've never even really opened God's word and read it for yourself. I would encourage you, start in the New Testament. Start in the New Testament. If you want to, you could start right with Matthew and begin reading through. If you want to know the book that I think you should start reading, if you've never read before, go to the Gospel of John. Go to the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
Read that gospel. Man, John has some great things to say. If you want a sense of accomplishment, then I'd recommend you go a little bit further back. And Paul, the apostle, wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. And if you get to his books like uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, Galatians is before Ephesians, you get to those books, you can read a couple chapters a day within 10 minutes. All of a sudden, at the end of a week, you've read two, maybe three books of the Bible. And it's some practical stuff. Good practical application that Paul's given us, even in these days that we are living in. Remember that the early church was going through some pretty heavy persecution. And Paul was writing to them, read it, recite it, remember it, reflect on it. Look at the emphasis on some of the words. Ask God to use his word to speak to you, to make a difference in your life, and he will answer that request. He really will. Do it every day. Can you imagine, can you imagine what kind of a difference it would make in our church when at the end of this, when life gets back to normal, when we are able to meet again as the family of God, can you imagine the difference it would make if we have been using this time not to get bitter, but to get better in our relationship with God? Can you imagine the celebration? Can you imagine the difference that he could make not only in us, but through us? How are you going to use this time? When Moses led the children of Israel out, they had the exodus from Egypt. God was supplying their need. He was giving them guidance. He did some miraculous things, including the crossing of the Red Sea. But throughout that, he had to feed them. And the Bible says in Exodus that he gave them what's called manna. It was kind of like a sweetened wafers. And when the Israelites woke up in the morning, there would be enough there for them to have all day. But God specifically said, take what you need for today. Don't hoard it like we kind of do with toilet paper. Take what you need for today, and then I'll supply tomorrow. What was he doing? He was kind of testing their faith a little bit. He wanted them to have enough faith that he would supply their need. But you want to know what happened? <laughs> what happened is probably what I would do, what you would do. They took extra. Said, well, we'll just set some aside, just in case. You want to know what happened the next morning? It was rotten. It was rotten. They couldn't eat it. It had spoiled. Worms were in it. It was gross. God said, nope, I'll give you enough for what you need today. Don't try to hang on. You say, Billy, what in the world does that have to do with where you're at here growing spiritually? Some of you are trying to live today through these experiences. You're trying to live off of manna that you got from God a long time ago. 
You're trying to live off of blessing that he gave you a long time ago. You're trying to live off of messages you heard and the word that you read and the prayers that you prayed. You're trying to live off what happened. And God says, you need something new. Let him give you manna for today. Maybe that's why Jesus says, man will not live by bread alone, but by the word of the living God. Let that word be part of your life every day throughout this process and watch as your relationship with God is enhanced. And then finally, relationally. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus didn't just grow in favor with God and kind of stiff-armed all the people? He grew in favor with God and in favor with man. You say, well, Billy, that's kind of tough. Not sure how you want us to grow relationally or socially when we're basically at home. Well, it's one of the advantages of living in the 21st century. Can you imagine if we'd have had this difficulty in our country even 20 years ago, 30 years ago? What is possible today wouldn't have been possible then. But we can stay connected. We can care about others. In fact, one of the reasons that we come to you online rather than meeting together is because we do care. We care about what our government leaders say. We, we care about the community spread that can happen. And praise God, he gives us this avenue to be able to share with you. But we have to continue to care for other people, not just ourselves. During this process, our Calvary Cares ministry is still open. They're able to still help feed people that need food. Maybe when you're out at the grocery store, you can buy a few extra items and drop them off, bring them by the church on a Saturday morning or something to make sure that we continue to help those who are desperately in need, and there are some. And that number is growing. We can reach out by texting, calling, emailing, maybe sending a card, putting it in your mail slot for the postman to take, reaching out to people who need to know that somebody loves them. And when you show them your love, the truth is you're showing them the love of God. Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, it's as if you did it to me. We need to make sure that we in this time period have the same compassion that Jesus had. Do you know what he says? Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion for these people. Matthew 20, 34, Jesus had compassion on them. You see in a theme? He had compassion on people. And I will guarantee you that Jesus has compassion for everyone who is going through this struggle. Not just here in this country, but around the world. God so loved the world 
You may not be able to make a difference around the world, but you can make a difference in your world. Maybe it starts with you, with your spouse, in your family. Maybe it extends to your neighbor. What is it that we can do even in this time period where we are endeavoring to share and show the love of Jesus to people? I can only extend kindness to others when I become overwhelmed at the kindness that God has shown to me. And I fail to extend kindness to others when I forget that it was God who showed his grace and kindness to me. What if we position ourselves for the favor of God moving forward by endeavoring to use this time effectively pursuing some things just like Jesus did let's not waste this time some of you some of you have complained because you don't have enough time you are so busy you can't think of the last time that your family sat down at a table to have a meal now you're getting that opportunity don't waste it don't groan and complain about it Realize that pretty soon you'll be back to life as normal and then the back to the busyness and then we'll wonder, what did I do with that time? Some of you haven't read God's word. You don't have time. But maybe he's given us this opportunity so you can seek after him a bit more, so you can learn about him a bit more, so you can know him better and in a greater way. Maybe... Maybe God wants to use this time so you can reach out to others. You may not be able to do it physically, but because of the day and age in which we live, you can still reach out. You can still care. You can still have compassion on someone other than yourself. What if we were to use this time and try to grow like Jesus did? He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You endeavor to do the same. Would you bow your heads together with me right there where you're at? It's possible that God used this opportunity that we have to come to you online for someone who still has never accepted him as Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you that chance right now. Today I'm going to invite you to invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. And God's word tells us that when you do that, he'll come in, he'll forgive your sin, he'll give you a place in heaven, and he will walk and talk with you on a daily basis. He wants to make a difference in your life. But he can only do that when we invite him to come in. He won't barge in. He only comes when he's invited. Revelation tells us in chapter 3, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. Any man that opens the door, I'll come in and I'll eat a meal with him. Would you let him do that today? I want to simply ask you to, if that's you, I want you to invite Christ into your life by simply praying this prayer after me. Just simply say, Lord Jesus,
Today I invite you to come into my heart, forgive my sin, and save me. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.